Hey folks, good morning. It's Bowen here. I'm recording this from Hood River, Oregon on my way up to Seattle and then on to Vancouver Island as part of a bit of a summer road trip. As you know, if you've been following the progress of my memoir in progress, as you know, if you've been following the progress of my memoir, an ordinary disaster, it's it's just about finished. I published chapter 26 earlier this week, and there are just a few more short chapters that are just about entirely already written that I'll be releasing over the coming weeks here. Um, In the meantime, I finally felt free enough to jump in the van and visit some friends up and down the coast and also to spend some time in the High Sierras uh, a little bit later on towards the end of August here. In early September. So when I get back from all of that around mid-September, I'll begin the process of editing and seeking publication um, one way or another. Speaking of publishing, I am planning on producing a special first edition for subscribers and early supporters. Really, you could say uh, kind of a collector's edition might be taking shape. And uh, if, of course, you remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it occurred to me last night that this special first collector's edition will include a golden ticket. You might ask, what is the golden ticket good for? And the answer is, each golden ticket is unique to the ticket holder and only redeemable when the correct moment presents itself and for a specific piece of magic only applicable to that specific situation between the two of us. And the only way to get one of these golden tickets will be to purchase or otherwise receive one of these first editions, which will be available to paid subscribers as well. This conversation that I am introducing here is part of the work around my book-length memoir entitled An Ordinary Disaster, which is one man's proof that despite what may seem like our inability to hear it, and all of our attempts to avoid it, we can all learn to listen to ourselves and to act upon the inner voice of ourself, our sanity, and our soul. Especially if you've been following my work, I'd, I'd like to remind you or just say from uh, in my own voice personally that now is the time to become a paying subscriber, to show your support, as I move into the next chapter of this book's journey. As I mentioned, paying subscribers will be able to order a copy of the first edition of the book. And of course, regardless of how you choose to follow along here or support, I really, really appreciate your reading and listening and comments and participation here along the way. It's been a huge part of my process, so thank you. While you're listening, do take a little trip over to bowendwelly.substack.com. Make sure that you are subscribed 
that's also where you would become a paying subscriber and also where you click the little heart to let me know that you dig this episode. I'd love to hear from you, uh, as always, so please don't be shy about leaving a comment or a question there at the bottom of the page. Um, And one final note before I get started here, as you do listen to this interview, I would love it if you would take note of the timestamp, you know, as you're going along of any parts or passages that really kind of hit home for you and share those with me in the comments below. Um, That'll really help me as I assemble the transcript and um, also a short edit of this interview that, um, you know, that I'll share around later. Awesome. All right. On to the interview. I hope you enjoy this. I think you will. I really did. And I'm excited to share this, uh, this interview with my friend Michael Lipson. I'm really pleased to return here to my, um, well, in a way, to a piece of the podcast series that I began last summer, um, which I began to call Brothers and Teachers. And um, I did 20 episodes of that uh, with a whole bunch of guys that I wanted to interview. And today I'm with another man that I would have loved to or still would love to interview for that series. But we're actually going to do it the other way around because as uh, my dear friend Michael Lipson and I were uh, talking yesterday um, about the book project that I have been working on for well the past four years, but also much more intensively for the past six months or so, he offered to interview me. And I'm just delighted to accept his invitation on that score. So... <clears throat> I'm here today with my friend Michael Lipson. Um, I'll record a little more of an intro about him later and stitch that in here. Um, but uh, Michael's someone I've come to know over the past several years um, as a fellow man and uh, also as a, um, a master coach. Um, and uh, he's a, a reader of mine as well. And so we're going to talk today about um, about the memoir I've been working on and that I'm just now bringing to a close, well, the working title of which is An Ordinary Disaster. And uh, so I want to welcome Michael Lipson and uh, thank you, my friend, for this offer to interview me and uh, for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Floor is yours. All right. It's been fun to be on the wing, uh, noticing how you've been taking on this project. And for me, the project started, what I saw is when you said, I want to be a writer or I'm going to start writing. Mm -hmm. And when did you say that in earnest that led to the book? Yeah, well, I would, I, I, it was in 20, it was about five years ago, um, in 2018, um, you know, that, that thought has been with me really since I was 15. Um, but then, uh, went beneath the surface for most of my life. And, um, you know, it did resurface here and there, but I, I didn't, um, 
I wasn't in a place for you know for one thing, and I also just wasn't really aware, paying enough attention to that message for it to um, you know hit me hard enough, grab me, <laughs> shake me, or uh, capture my full attention until uh, yeah until 2018. So we'll get into the book, but yeah. I'm really interested in getting into writing mm-hmm. and why writing. And I remember reading in the book that way back when you said, yeah, I'll be a writer in my 50s. But right. just give us a little perspective on what happened, not in your life, but in your appetite to write or your awareness of that before these past few years versus when you, I don't know, flipped the switch and mm-hmm. said, I'm going to write. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say that, I mean, as a young person, I was always a reader, um, you know, an avid reader from a young age, beginning with, uh, Tintin and the, uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook. (laughs) Um, and then with, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. I mean, I loved to read from an early age, and I read a lot of um, science fiction, a lot of adventure, um, like sailing stories and um, all sorts of things. Um, And I did have the clear sense when I was 15. uh, I was in high school, and I was taking uh, creative writing classes in high school at the time. Um. I had a clear intuitive sense at that time that I would become a writer in my fifties. Now I didn't know at all what that meant, you know, or how to do that. Um, and so, you know, I just, and well, for a variety of reasons, I kind of put that away and that, that again was kind of subsumed into, you know, there's a lot of normal life in a way, but there's a lot of other reasons that was subsumed Um, I would also say that early on in life, you know, I probably, I might've said that, you know, that one way or another that I wanted to be an artist, you know, or that I was kind of most interested in artists and, and that, you know, respected the, uh, the way of life of, you know, that I imagined the artist's way of life. Um, well then, so between the time of 15 and, uh, 48 or so, yeah, I had a couple, three careers, um, career early in early career in software. And then a business that I started in, in 2000 and sold in 2015. Um, and, you know, I was really mostly, um, concerned with making a, living for myself and like earning my freedom. Um, and I did not really put much thought into the idea of being a writer, you know, during most of that time. Um, it did surface occasionally in my journals. Um, but I still had no idea how, for one thing, how to pursue that. And again, I was also in the middle of, you know, these other careers. I had a business and the business was doing well and, you know, lots of other things. Um, But again, this question of how, like, and also maybe the capacity and the openness 
that I needed to be able to move into that. Just it, it wasn't there for any number of reasons. Um, um, and so then if this is, you know, part of what you're asking, then, you know, as I got into my late forties, there were a number of major changes then that began to, um, kind of accumulate in my personal life. I sold the business. I stopped drinking alcohol. I became much more athletic. I became a, an avid trail runner. Um, I became a semi-professional kite surfer and like adventure guide. Um, I got much more in my body actually in my late forties, even than I had been in earlier life. And all of those things contributed to a very dramatic intuitive awakening or just like a, a reconnection with my self. Um, and as that began to, um, become more true, um, the voice, uh, you know, the, this, this memory resurfaced more and the, um, my desire to become an artist um, resurfaced strongly and I began to experiment with different things. I, I started playing drums. Um, and again, still, it took another couple of years for me to remember that what that meant was, oh, yeah, become a writer <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that I wanted to write and that I always had. And it, you know, that's a whole side story about how it's, you know, it's possible to like forget something that's like so important (laughs) in a way. But, um, yeah, at some point I kind of fully remembered and, and then I, I, of course not coincidentally was also then finally in a position to pursue that. Right. So that kind of gets me to where I was hoping would start the conversation, which is, you evolved and you got to this point where you're connected to yourself in a different way. And in parallel, the memory of I'm a writer or will be a writer surfaces. So from that point, you start writing. What, like at the beginning of that, why? What were you after? Did you even know? What was it like to begin and what were you seeking by doing that? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That um, there is a clear beginning to it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, aside from the memory fully surfacing, because that was certainly one clear beginning. Um, but there was also um, well, s- deep, you know, within me, I felt the need to well to tell my to tell my story um you you could say i i kind of thought of it in those terms and i certainly it began part of the reason it began to surface was my experience changing my relationship with alcohol um i at the beginning of 2018 um i had a realization that my lifelong relationship with alcohol was very tightly co-involved with my lifelong experience with depression 
and I, I hadn't made that connection before and no one had suggested it to me. And once I made that connection, I stopped drinking. I mean the same day. Um, so that experience then over the course of like the following year or something, as I kind of integrated that change, it was, it was just a very interesting experience. And I began to feel compelled to share some of that. Um, and that, you know, was something that was, is of interest to a lot of people. Um, so that was a part of it. Um, and that's like a little piece of, you know, personal, uh, memoir right there, just about my experience with, with alcohol. But another key moment was in that same time frame. um, I was, I began to do some men's work. Um, and my first exposure to that was really with, uh, John Wineland. Um, and <clears throat> I went to, a an event that he hosted up in Mount Shasta, um, with like 80 other guys. And, you know, as is pretty common in any kind of group work or men's work, you know, one of the exercises was, you know, you get in a small group and state your purpose and see how it is received. Well, see how you feel stating it and see how it is received. And when <clears throat> that exercise came up, I was asked to state my purpose and I, with only a quarter second hesitation, I said, I'm here to tell the truth. And that felt super true to me and a very clear, spontaneous expression of just that and the answer to your question, like what I'm here to do in this chapter of life. And also that was clear to me as an expression of the, uh, the foundation of my kind of beginning as a writer is like, I'm here to tell the truth of my story of my life, partly to kind of come clean and also <clears throat> to share, you know, here's like, here's, here's the stuff I've done. Here's what's happened to me. Uh, you know, it, it, it can't be, can't be all bad <laughs> if it happened. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot in there, but that's, that's the main piece yeah. of it is I'm, yeah, I'm here to tell the truth. So it's a powerful share. The, I'm here to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I just take that at face value, yeah, that that's part of what the book is about yes. is a vehicle or a, a muse for you to tell the truth, yeah. reflect on before the book, as you started writing the book and as you're practically completing the book, the arc of your telling the truth, mm. like, did you start by telling as much truth as you ended? Were you selective in not telling truths or restraining yourself from certain things like give us a little window into how that evolved yeah yeah thanks um well what to say i i think 
to begin with, um, yeah, I was tired of feeling like I wasn't fully expressing myself and, and also I didn't know how to. Hmm. So I both felt that I didn't really know how to, and that I also, you know, I felt kind of inhibited in some ways. Um, you know, in a lot of that had to do with sort of my under, my received ideas about my own mass about masculinity, about myself as a man, like kind of what I was allowed to do or say, you know, what was, um, what might get me characterized as like a bad man. There was a lot of that in there. Yeah. Um, you know, my, and then to go into that, you know, my history, like just, you know, I didn't, not, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I like engaged twice, but not married and, you know, lots of relationships. So like I had a lot of imagined, mostly imagined, uh, you know, sort of self-criticism about being a bad man and therefore not, you know, being conflicted about kind of speaking my own experience, all this stuff. Um, <clears throat> So I was tired of, you know, I felt bound up. I felt like I, I had, you know, needed to speak myself into existence is another way to put it. I'm just going to pause there for a second, Bowen. Yeah. That's a powerful statement. Felt like I need to speak my way into existence. Yes. And I can almost sense the burden or all the um, impressions that you were perceiving you were broadcasting to others and this feeling of fuck that man I'm just like mm -hmm. I want to be free from that that's what's coming through as I see your eyes as you say that yeah yeah all that <laughs> all right. so then it sounds like a courageous act to me mm -hmm. was it a courageous act to say I'm going to speak my truth and I'm going to write my story and I'm going to put it on paper and I'm going to put it out there oh yeah yeah I, I, I feel it is absolutely um did you think that's what you were going to do when you started writing the book or were you just writing and saying, I'm going to get this off my chest and I'm going to put some things on paper and let's see where this takes me. Did I think I was going to do what? Did you think you were going to write a whole book and oh. then you were going to let people read it? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was pretty clear about that. Um, I guess when did it kind of become a book project in my mind. I, I think from the beginning, really, I mean, as soon as I said, I'm here to tell the truth, even then I, I began to imagine a book, uh, emerging from that. And, um, you know, and then the arc of the time, the last four years, you could say, well, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch that happened in there in yeah. terms of that taking shape. Um, it's actually kind of consistent with um, what I know of you is you, you identify a significant challenge and then you take it on and you jump in. Yeah, I jumped in and um, I also um, you know, I I one of the um, things that's been helpful to me over the years is the idea of being just ready enough. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so like I did not know what it 
really meant to, quote, write a book or even to become a writer. But I, at that point, did, um, I felt committed enough to pursue that, that, you know, I just began doing the things that I could do. So I began writing and taking writing classes and uh, meeting other writers and um, putting some of my work out there. And, you know, as I began to take those steps, I, you know, I kind of learned or found the, the next steps along the path. Um, and I certainly didn't know what it, you know, would mean to write a book and, you know, people say it's difficult and believe me, it is. <laughs> There's a, a lot of work in there and I, I knew that, um, but I didn't know the path through it. You know, I had to really find my way through that and, and let the, the, the material, um, you know, work, work, work with me as I worked with it and, you know, discover what, um, you know, what, what stories, came out of me what needed to be told and like and how how they would come together and you know eventually that led to kind of the format and structure of the book and that sort of thing in more concrete terms yeah so could you tell us a little more about what it means to you that the material worked with you mm-hmm. and then things revealed from that <laughs> um yeah, what did I mean by that? Um, <laughs> I have this imagination that you're stirring, you're getting stirred up, revisiting your memories, and then looking at them from the perspective of a man in his 50s instead of while you were 15 and a lot of self-reflection. Yes. And from there, there's insights. Yeah. the truth-telling takes on a different dynamic. Yeah, the material worked with me. Um, well, is a relationship, you know, I mean... It, it, Material is my experience, you know, and it's, it's memories, it's story, but it's the psyche. Um, and, um, to me, the realm of the psyche is, is the most fascinating territory that there is. And, um, so for, for me that the, the journey of, of writing has been a, a deep, uh, a deepening, and a deepening and a deepening and a deepening of, of my relationship with my own psyche. And, um, in particular because I'm writing memoir. So, you know, the, the, the secret truth of course is that the real title of the book is me, 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 (laughs) me, 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 and me. (laughs) It's all about me. Right. Um, (laughs) um, but that's the material that, you know, that I had to work with. Um, (laughs) and, um, that's what I felt, you know, compelled to, to, to dive into. And so, um, how did it work with me? Well, as I went back into these different chapters of my life, um, the, you know, I was confronted I confronted myself with the facts, the truth, right? I'm here to tell the truth. I confronted myself with the the truth, the unvarnished, you know, facts of my life, like actually what happened. 
right? And that cemented, for one thing, cemented my sense of self um, as I went back through from my youth and then into my 20s and into my really, you know, because through the course of the book, I really cover, you know, I jump through most of my life. Um, not the whole story, but, you know, stories from throughout my life. So, so really, that's a big piece of it is it cemented my sense of self. Yeah, here's something I'm really curious about is as you dove back into your past, were there places that you chose not to touch? Mm. Did you find scenes and experiences where you're like, I'm not ready to share that, or for some reason I'm going to withhold that? Um, well, of course, you know, any book, you, you know, you're only going to get, you know, there's an infinity of more, of course. Um, and yeah, so 55 years of life and it's not all going on pages or else nobody's going to read it. Exactly. So there's, you know, it's, it's going to necessarily be a selection. Um, and the stories that I, you know, or the episodes, the chapters that I, chose to write about um or that i selected really for the you know what's become the book are are selected you know to focus on certain themes um that said like toward to answer your question like is there anything that i chose not to write about specifically um not really i mean the only thing um, I asked someone else this question in a way the the other day. Um, you know, I've got some other books to write. Um, and one of them is, one of them, there's a lot of sex in it. Mm -hmm. um, Probably be a big seller, that one. Well, who knows? You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Probably not. But um, people generally don't want to hear about sex from men, uh, which is... Uh, you know, part of the reason that I want to write that book. Um, but so there is some, there is a little sex in this book because that was part, it was important um, in, in telling, you know, this, this, this journey, it's important in this story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, could have been a lot more, but that's not really part of the, you know, on the main, uh, the main path here. Right. So the way I hear that answer is, what you didn't tell was more strategic around presenting this book versus other books as opposed to some fear or creating a boundary about being too vulnerable or exposing yourself too much. Yeah, that's that's really true. I mean, I, I'm, you know, people say that, you know, I'm an open book. Well, you're like I wrote a book about my deep self and yeah. it's all there. There's there's nothing hidden. All right. So. How did that progress as you wrote the book, being an open book and being comfortable sharing all? Do you start that way or do you develop a muscle as you go? Honestly, I've, I felt like I started, like at least by the time I started writing, I felt pretty comfortable, um, you know, being like pretty fully open. Um, you know, it's also a practice and a muscle, sure, that gets yeah. developed. Um, but that's something that 
felt um, like interesting and compelling and also that I felt capable of from the beginning. And so, you know, as some of the first material that I shared um, that there's a little bit of this in the book, but again, about like changing my relationship with alcohol, you know, I mean, I, I, I wrote some pieces about that, that I, you know, shared online early on, um, you know, that were, that are very, very vulnerable and, um, you know, very true. Yeah. And I, I, and I didn't feel, uh, that didn't feel dangerous or foreign or even difficult to me. That, that felt very natural yeah. to me. Yeah. I applaud that. So that's, I'm, that was about broadcasting what you're broadcasting out to the world. How about what you received as you wrote the book? And I know that you trickled chapters out and you probably got comments and feedback as you went. Mm-hmm. What was that like? And how did that evolve as you put more and more up? Like, were you really thirsty? I want to hear something. Were you dispassionate about it? Did it affect the next writings? Mm. Yeah, there's a lot there. It's kind of all part of the process of, um, you know, as I've learned, like how writers work. Um, most people have, you know, have a writing group or groups, um, and and I do, and I, um, most people, well. And then there's a choice about whether you share stuff along the way um, or not. Of course, that's increasingly common now, much more common than it would have been in the past. Um, And I mean, the thing that was, well, it was certainly very gratifying and helpful to me early on in particular to share some of my material online and you know get responses from people saying hey wow this has impacted me and um you know this feels meaningful and interesting Uh, that really did help to pull me along um also um having a writing group uh, where we read aloud to each other which is kind of standard best practice for any writer and that's kind of the primary purpose really of most writing groups is just to give you a regular opportunity to read your work aloud and have it received um that's very powerful and has been really important um as part of my process and i i I still do that i have a group that meets almost every week and at in it one group that I've been with for some time and then another group that I just formed actually. So, um, anyway, that's, you know, community and reflection and the opportunity to read have all been really important. Um, okay. How about if we peel into the emotional side of that now? Okay. When you're getting response and feedback, what one or a few anecdotes where you got, you know, a real emotional charge in hearing people's feedback. Mm. Does anything come to mind? Um, hmm. Yeah, um, in terms of a 
specific example. And what comes up for me are, you know, many, many cases um, and the sort of growing feeling that I had as I began to put more of my material out there um, that, that for one, that my relationships with all sorts of people, you know, with my friends, um, people in the world were deepening because of my writing. Um, so in many cases I've had like old friends, it's like guys that I've known for 20 or 30 years come to me and say, Hey, wow. I read that thing you wrote the other day. And, and then that would prompt like a whole new type of conversation for us. Um, and that made me feel like another person, you know, another, another whole part of myself was alive and present and being seen and active in, you know, in relationship. That's a great share. Really. That's to me, that's a little tale of being vulnerable, sharing your inner self and how that brings people closer to you and the return totally. that gives you relationally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thank you. That, that feels right. And, and then just the other piece I'd say is like then increasingly, you know, as I moved more and more into the reality of writing, you know, every day and then not just every day, but, you know, really turn, you know, I'd say two years ago, it started to feel like, okay, this is my job. Like, in a in a, this is my full-time job. Um, now, I'm of the opinion that nobody should work full-time <laughs> in the American sense of the word. And so, to me, that means about half-time. Yep. Um, which I think is about the right amount of time to work. About four hours a day, you know, and then go get outside. Um, but, or not but anything. That's full-time. Um as I moved into that, I, then I began to notice that increasingly like almost all of my relationships now have something to do with my writing or with writing, you know, they're either new relationships that have come through that or they're, you know, so, so that's just another expansion or, you know, continued growth of the involvement there. Right. So if I um, go to that, the more I share of myself vulnerably, uh, the deeper the connection with others. How about if we shift the others to you? The more I write about myself and put it out in the world, the fill in the blank I am with myself. How has your relationship with yourself evolved? Yeah, it's totally changed, really. Um, and that is, that's what's really started to come home for me in this last six weeks um, as I have come to the conclusion of the writing part of this project um, well not just the past month certainly the past six this whole past year you know but much more dramatically in the past uh, month or so that my <clears throat> I have felt myself arrive in into a new version of myself 
I have felt my presence change very clearly. I, I feel now that the identity, you know, that the question of who am I, I know that used to be a question for me. That was a big question for a lot of my life. There's no question there anymore. Um, I feel, um, I mean, many things. I, I, I now feel really no doubt about not just that, but about like what to do, what I should be doing. Um, um, how to do what I'm doing, what to do next. Um, it, I now have the confidence that I am doing what I should be doing and I will arrive. I will get where I'm going by doing what I'm doing and and by being myself and that I don't really have to think about it much at all that I just now am able to be myself and let that lead yeah that's really beautiful it's beautiful to hear it's beautiful to see your face as you say it and it strikes me from reading your book that you pushed yourself a lot. You know, you took on challenges, you're climbing the Golden Gate Bridge, you're learning sports, you're doing all these pretty confronting things. Yet, in your story, you had to keep doing it and doing it and, and you know, kind of forcing your way to being you. And here you write this book and you, say it, you present as though that sort of has sloughed off me now. I have a different state of self-equanimity and the book, writing the book had something to do with that or a big thing to do with that. Am I hearing that right? Yes, yes. And that gets back to this um, uh, kind of speaking or writing myself into existence. You know, I, I think, I don't know, some of us just have to do that. I mean, that's, you know, the... the um, but it's true for a lot of people who become writers. <laughs> um, and, um, and there's a couple pieces to your question. You know, one is kind of like all of this, you know, the things I've done for whether just to be physically active or be from passion and interest or, you know, for in ways, you know, forms of escape, um, or, you know, you name it. Um, and so that's kind of a whole topic. Um, but the sloughing off um, or the, well, that as part of the, the, the change that I have felt um, really settling into me now, there, there are many things that have yes that have sloughed off that have that I feel that I'm leaving behind as I now move into another chapter of my own life if we uh like refer to Joseph Campbell and the mythic journey mm -hmm. and the hero's journey yeah where's the book in that 
pathway and where are you on that path as it relates to everything you've done the book and now going forward can you answer that yeah um the book is the return um is it's the uh, it's what i'm bringing back mm -hmm. from the journey um of my uh you know of the past chapters of my life it's the gold um the treasure um and therefore i mean that's a big part of the reason i think that i'm feeling so much transformation now as i'm completing the writing because i am completing the hero's journey of that whole arc of my life and i have a big document of treasure right distilled extracted every word as powerful and meaningful as it can be right that captures the essence of everything that i learned for for and about myself along the way there it is it's on paper and it's all true and so where i go from here is a whole new journey that's great. That's great, Bowen. Just makes me feel really good to hear that and uh, see your smile as you say it. So I'm gonna. This question is not a technical question, though you might be tempted to answer it technically. You use all sorts of metaphor, really colorful and descriptive metaphor in your writing. Yeah. And I wonder what the metaphor actually does for you, not for the reader. And there's so much of it, like. You talk about the wooden face of the bartender and on and on. There's so many things that I related to, like it brought me there. Mm. So technically for me, it's very effective. Yeah. But what's going on for you? Hmm. Is it just a technical exercise and tool or is there something that gets you more to your experience or closer to processing something or something else? The creative act is a form of dreaming. And for me, I would also say that whether we, you know, whether it's the creative act of writing or playing music or um, meditating or dreaming, that those are all normal states. Those are all there are kind of different channels of consciousness that we have um, and they can all be just as normal and uh, as much of our, the whole picture of our consciousness as what we consider to be our normal waking consciousness. And so when I'm writing and, <clears throat> um, you know, imagery or, you know, metaphors come in, it's, it's, it's the, it's the dream state, you know, it's the, 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 the colors, uh, arising from the unconscious psyche. It's sometimes it's, um, yeah, but it's like a way of painting, I guess I'd say, um, to, you know, to give color to things. It's not something I think about much. You know, it's something that I just, 
enjoy as it emerges. And yeah, sometimes I do kind of focus on it more to, to bring more out if I feel to. Um, but I, I, that's what comes up for me most is that when I'm really in the zone writing that it, it, it feels akin to dreaming. Got it. That's really rich. Yeah. And expansive. All right. So I'm going to move us towards a close. I'm going to start winding down. Um, you're so close to being complete. I'm sure there's some, you know, edit copy stuff. Oh yeah. That. But completing the narrative itself before refining it. What's that feel like right now? <laughs> so close towards the end of the marathon. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, it feels great. <laughs> feels great. Um, and yeah, just to say what I've been doing since the beginning of this year of 2023 is I've been publishing a chapter a week on Substack. Um, and I set myself the goal at the beginning of the year of finishing the manuscript by the middle of the year. So now it's end of July. Um, I was aiming for the end of June, but you know, a little more material emerged. So fine. Um, and, um, I think I, you know, this week put out chapter 25 or 26 or whatever it is. There's, there are like four or so more short chapters that, um, will be, you know, are to, to be released, but those are, they're written. So, you know, I feel complete on the writing. Um, and of course beyond that, yes, then there's going to be a whole process of editing and, you know, then seeking publication, et cetera. So I'm, I'm not under any delusions that like, you know, there isn't that, but, um, as far as how I feel now, I feel amazing. (laughs) I feel amazing. Um, you know, because this was like the major, um, vision that I had for myself going back five years and also going back to my, you know, age 15. Um, and so to be arriving now at the completion of, you know, a manuscript, um, it, it, I feel complete in a, in a new and particular way. I also feel like, you know, it's funny people say, well, you're a writer. Well, who says, or like, how do you know when you, you know, how do you know when you feel like you can say that? Or, or, you know, an artist, whatever. Well, of course, you can say it whenever you want to say it on one hand. You can also say, well, if you're writing all the time, you know, then you're a writer. Okay, yeah, sort of. <laughs> well, completing this, at least again, the writing phase of this project, to me, makes me feel like more comfortable and confident in saying that I'm a writer you know I've written a book's worth of material and I don't mean so much in terms of like being able to claim that I just mean in terms of when I'm relating to other writers like meeting other people talking to other people now I feel more fully a peer um just in terms of how it feels in my body yeah yeah nice yeah. All right. So when people ask you the question, what's the book? What's your answer? What is this book? 
Yeah. Um, well, the book is called An Ordinary Disaster. Because there's definitely a lot of disasters along the way. But they're also fairly ordinary in that, you know, these are not great catastrophes. Um, these are a lot of things that I went through are things that, you know, a lot of people have gone through. Um, and the book is really about learning to listen to myself or to oneself. Um, and you know, at first about the pain of not having that capacity, um, and, and about then kind of realizing that that was missing and then how I developed that capacity, um, and how that, you know, took me from what felt like disaster and kind of repeated crashes and, uh, misadventures, um, to the place that I am now. Um, and from a continual attempt to continual and lifelong attempt to escape from everything to the realization that, you know, of course there is no escape. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and 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 loving that loving that um yeah and so another way to say it is that um the book is kind of my proof that you know despite how like impossible or difficult it might seem we can all learn to listen to ourselves and to act upon and even live by the inner voice of self all the time all the time and and that in a way is the represents you know the the, the transformation for me that has occurred over the course of the last eight years and then in writing the book and then in completing the book when I began, or let's say before I began, I felt like someone who didn't have any relationship with my inner voice, with myself, and with, you could call it intuition, you know, whatever you want to call it. Now, I live in that virtually 100% of my life. That's how I live. So this is complete complete change and that is also like what i was aiming for yeah i feel uh i feel your pride as you say that you know you're wearing it on your face and it's coming through your chest right now yeah yeah that's a, a very significant transformation and it strikes me how when you say we live listening to our inner voice you're progression of being more conscious that that's what you were doing instead of subconscious or unconscious yes that that's what you were doing yeah i set the specific goal like eight or so years ago of doing that but much like embarking upon writing a book or 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 prior to that embarking upon selling trying to sell my business i didn't know how i was going to get there but i did set the goal um 
of learning to decide nothing is how I put it. Decide nothing. Um, you know, I didn't even, I just, those were the two words that came to me. Right. And then it's like, well, okay, I'm just going to practice that. That's how I began. It was just, I practiced not deciding. Um, and gradually through that simple kind of practice and also through basically through sports for me is the biggest channel to um, connect with my self and the voice of self um, again aka intuition um, and of course writing is a huge practice in cultivating that really um, and whatever else I kind of lost my train of thought there but um <laughs> but it's now you're deciding nothing that's right exactly exactly yeah but now I, I feel like fully in that more than ever yeah it's incredible you may have lost your train of thought because my attention went to a question that is almost by definition unanswerable mm, it's good. about shadow oh yeah and let's shadow, go there by definition is what we don't see what we can't see so what's happened with your shadow as you've done this and where is that now oh it's all gone <laughs> congratulations you're the first one ever listening <laughs> <You know. laughs> audience i think the shadow <laughs> here we are um well <clears throat> The shadow and intuition and the unconscious, all these things have, for one thing, something in common. Um, um, but just so I remember, like your question is about the shadow and like where the shadow went. So, or what's happened with your shadow as you've done this and now you're at this place where you're much more connected to your inner voice. Yes. And you've you know, harvested the gold and the returns. Yes. yes. So do you have a sense of shadow and is it different than before? Well, that's a huge part of the work that I did in, in writing and in working with the material. You asked earlier about the material. How did the material work with me? How did I work with the material? I mean, a work of memoir is in large part like an excavation of shadow and a, a, not just a confronting, but an, you know, the way that in fact, one of the visual metaphors that I developed early on for myself was, um, extending a hand, you know, like reaching out my hand to both to my future self, but also to shadow. Yeah. And like, Hey, how you doing? Let's, let's talk. Let's talk. Well, in the in making an invitation. So, I mean, going into the material and writing about a lot of these pieces of my life. I mean, that's that required extending a hand and invitation and having a conversation with shadow in those areas in in terms of addiction, in terms of, well, many forms of addiction alcohol, sex, shopping, travel, pornography, um, investing, that is gambling, you know, in the stock market. Um, 
and in many other ways. So I would say that. Um, where has that gone? I don't know what to say other than somebody asked me recently. I think someone was giving me a little bit of a reading, like a tarot reading or something. And, uh, well, it was it was Taryn, actually, now that I remember. And, you know, she asked me the standard question, which is like, okay, well, as I get ready to, you know, pull some cards, like bring a question to mind, you know, something that you're kind of struggling with or that you'd like an answer to in your mm-hmm. life or that's unresolved or whatever it is. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, you know what? I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't have any. I'm done. I'm complete. I was like, mic drop, you know. I don't have anything that's unresolved. <laughs> um, All right, which, stay tuned for the sequel. Right, right. You know, just wait. I mean, the wave will up. come crashing, I'm sure. But that's true. It's kind of how it feels wow. at the moment. Kind of how it's it very f- peaceful. It is. It is. It's incredible. It's incredible. And also it creates a huge amount of space and capacity space for receiving from the unconscious, which is the creative process. People ask like, what is creativity? Well, if I could paint you a little picture, creativity, the creative moments or the creative process are Picture bubbles slowly arising from the sea of the unconscious. A bubble rising from beneath the sea, slowly approaching the surface, and then bursting forth into the air, right? That's the creative, that's the moment. That's the moment, right? And so I, I now I have more space than ever because, you know, if you don't have space, well, you're, you're, that just can't happen. But I also feel like I have a lot more capacity then to kind of observe and be part of that process. Something that I really appreciate from uh, Carl Jung's work, which has been very important to me along the way here um, and his kind of depiction and um, of the unconscious and our relationship to the unconscious and, you know, what I took from that and how it relates to um, intuition. It's like, well, we can't communicate with the unconscious directly. It's the part of us that has no words. So we, we you know, we get, we communicate with it. We, it communicates with us by way of symbols dreams images <laughs> obscure messages yep. signs that we receive synchronicities all these kinds of things that's also the reason that intuition is this kind of funny word like i, I still feel funny when i say it even cuz it just has so much kind of you know it has like this strange sense around the word like it's like well what does that mean it sounds kind of fuzzy 
And then people struggle to try to explain, well, what do you mean by intuition? Do you mean like your gut feeling? Do you mean your interoception? Do you mean your inner voice? You know, do you mean your, you know, the, 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 the uh, Socratic daimon? You know, do you mean that? Well, yes, all those things. But there's the reason, part of the reason that intuition refuses to be named is because it's a function of the unconscious and therefore it cannot be named directly. You look very satisfied when you share that. Looks important. Yeah, I think it is important because the part of the, I mean, getting in touch with my intuition has been such a huge part of this journey for me and was an explicit goal. And it is something that one can do. And that's part of what the, hopefully the book kind of documents. So it is something that one can set out to do and achieve. It's also something like anything else that has to do with the unconscious you can't just go towards it directly. You kind of have to go towards it indirectly. You just have to. Even if you think you found a direct path, no. (laughs) You, You have to go indirectly. It's a defining characteristic of working with anything in the unconscious. The shadow, intuition, dreams. You have to go indirectly (laughs) boy that feels very important that you got that in this conversation and I tie it to when you said very early on my purpose is to speak truth yes how can you speak truth if you're shut off from your intuition and that this experience is part of your fuller accessing that yes being true in that way yes exactly yeah Exactly. So, Bowen, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to make sure is said by you today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you reflect on the whole journey, the book, and your experience of writing it. What's missing in the conversation that's important to share? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, Listeners, this was just my way of witnessing Bowen touch into that subconscious and that intuition because I'm watching you play play in that sandbox right now. Yeah. One thing that comes up for me is the importance of adventure or the and the like meaning of adventure. To me and and, and you know well, to me adventure is Intentionally moving into the unknown. Simple as that. Um, Adventure does not mean recklessly throwing oneself off a cliff. You know, that's stupidity and a guaranteed misadventure. Um, Adventure is moving intentionally into the realm of the unknown. And it is, that is something that I have a lot of experience with, that I have practiced a lot in my life. Again, mostly through sports, through outdoor athletic kind of 
pursuits. And those physical pursuits taught me how to do that. I practiced in many ways moving intentionally into the unknown through the practice of these like various physical pursuits. Now, there are other ways to practice moving intentionally into the unknown. Our friend Hitch also taught me many years ago about moving towards fear, which is very much an adventurous move. Absolutely. Um, and so moving, you know, when I decided to sell my business, you know, I decided that, you know, 12 years ago or something to try. Well, I had to intentionally move into the unknown to try to do that. And I did accomplish that. When I then um, got the message, you know, or, or had to answer the question for myself of what's next, like after that, it was become an artist and decide nothing. That's, that's all I got <laughs> as guidance, you know? So I had to move intentionally into the unknown and I felt comfortable doing that because of all that practice that I had in my body. Um, and then when it did resurface for me, when I remembered after 35 years, you know, that I knew already when I was 15 that I was supposed to become a writer in my fifties, you know, and that I had kind of forgotten that all these years. Um, and when I remembered that and knew finally like, okay, well, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I can't forget that again. So it's, I can't ignore that message now. And I did not know how to do that, but I knew that that's what I'm, what I was here, what I'm here to do at this point. Again, I had the confidence at least to be able to move intentionally into the unknown because of that long-standing practice of adventuring of adventuring um, and you know I talked about this with um, my friend acquaintance uh, fellow writer Kim Stanley Robinson uh, in, in an interview that I was lucky enough to uh, have the opportunity to do with him on um, this same podcast series and we talked about this parallel between like physical adventuring and wayfinding in the physical world and adventuring in the psyche and wayfinding in the, in, in the psyche. And it can be hard to imagine, right? That like doing sports, right? Can, help you learn how to find your way through life but it can and it does and that's another big lesson for me I guess yeah to you know I want to, to answer your question I want to make sure to get that in here that a big part of my message is 
you know, I felt very lost for much of my life. I was depressed, anxious, addicted in many ways. I was very sad and lonely and, you know, I was also successful and other things. It's a very common combination. Um, and learning to find my way, I think this is where I was trying to go with that, was, you know, learning to find my way and seeing that the, the things that had appealed to me most as, as sort of just natural things that I wanted to do, physical adventure, that those could be, that those could inform the wayfinding that I needed to do psychically, psychologically, emotionally. That's, that was, it's very powerful and satisfying for me because it, it's another path. It's a path I think that doesn't get talked about as much. People talk about, well, you know, you can you do a lot of meditation. You can go on retreats. You know, you can do all kinds of other inner work. There's lots of ways, lots of things to do in terms of self, you know, development. But the spiritual power of sport is, I think, hugely underappreciated in, I don't know, just the present world you know we kind of see it as just like well yeah i like to run you know or i like to go rock climbing and i don't know people talk about it to some extent but but for me like that has been the primary path to reconnection with myself and to wayfinding in my own life in a way that really feels whole and satisfying all right Thank you, Bowen. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot to chew on here. Just reflecting on some of what I picked up, if I were to summarize, and there's too yeah. much to summarize. Um, part of it is about, I think it's your heart, the heart that went into this, uh, the heart that has gone into reviewing your life mm -hmm. and discovering what was not clearly seen before so you can benefit from that going forward. There's a certain commitment to self that you share through your telling of the story. Um, and this notion of adventure, of going into the unknown, which has been a theme and a practice, um, how that fits in. Uh, and I think of many metaphors for other people whose lives I've observed, that there's a lot of ways to do that. But that if we start out a pure being, you started out a pure being, and then you became I love the word adulterated from all those adults and different things were conditioned and laid on you and you tell the story of how you responded to those things as you aged mm -hmm. and I see this as you're really actively wrestling with de-adulterating yourself and getting to your pure state and as you share the stories of writing the book there's a kind of I don't know if lightness is the right word there's freedom it's like the gravity field is reducing and your presence and almost sort of your aura or your your perimeter is expanding at the same time and uh, that's what for me this has really been about is to allow you to do that for the listeners and for me to witness that mm -hmm. so with that I uh, thank you for giving me this privilege to experience that 
and to be the one on the other side of the table asking you the questions. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for putting this out in the world. Keep doing your good work. Well, thank you, Michael. That's beautifully said, and I, I really appreciate your uh, well, your generosity in offering to, uh, to to do this and 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 seeing me in the way that you are right now, and that that all it feels very true. I do feel more free and also more whole and more real than than ever before. Um, and, um, the, yeah, the, 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 many things have dropped away. The fear is gone though is, is really, I think the, perhaps the way to sum it up at the end, the fear is gone. All right. The fear is gone. Thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really, really did myself. And I'm looking forward to more conversations like this with other writers, friends, brothers, and teachers. Like I said at the start, I would love to hear from you. So please do go ahead and leave a comment or a question at the bottom in the um comment section there and also don't forget to um, let me know which specific parts of this hit home for you in particular that's it thanks again for being here today and i look forward to seeing and hearing from you again soon